It's September 21st, 2016, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science and technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First off, we're going to have Tahani Diaz here to tell us about the next Tech for Good meetup and Giving Tuesday. Then filmmaker Jeff Katz will tell us about the upcoming Claxton Fest 2016. And finally, Helen Cho is here to tell us about Startup Grind. And after the break, we'll talk to Robbie Milton and Millie James. Both are key leaders in the Startup Paradise Startup Initiative. And they'll discuss the challenges of startups growing their market in Hawaii and beyond. Of course, we always welcome your comments and questions as part of that conversation. You can contact us by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. First up, we want to welcome Tihani Diaz from the Honolulu Tech for Good uh, meetup. And she's here to tell us about the upcoming Giving Tuesday prep workshop. Welcome to the show, Tihani. Aloha. So tell us uh, now, um, well, give us a little bit about, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the Honolulu Tech for Good is kind of a meetup where, uh, you know, our friend uh, Joe Heao uh, Kulani usually has uh, a bunch of speakers come in and talk about some of the things that, uh, that are going on. When's the, when's the actual date for this next uh, kind of meetup? So it's next Tuesday, the 27th at the Manoa Innovation Center. Okay. And you're the <clears throat> featured speaker, right? Yes, I'll be talking about Giving Tuesday and my experiences working with Giving Tuesday in relationship to the Honolulu Community Action Program, which I work for. Mm-hmm. So Giving Tuesday, um, some people may not be familiar with it, but it's been around for several years. What is this landmark calendar day? Yeah, so Giving Tuesday has been around for a few years. It follows Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which are revolving around consumerism. Mm -hmm. And then you have Giving Tuesday, which promotes the act of giving and selflessness. So this is a large, at least a nationwide movement, and it's it's kind of distributed. I mean, people who, who are summoned to the cause would participate and support it. What is the HCAP's role in that? Right. So... Actually, it's worldwide in probably 70 countries by now, if not bigger. And HCAP joined in 2013 when we started up our social media efforts. We got involved with Giving Tuesday to try to promote our agency to bring in donations as well. So now, you know, the um, <clears throat> the actual chain of events, you talked about Black Friday, you're talking about Cyber Monday, and this is not till like a little later on in, in November. And the workshop that you're going to be talking about at the, uh, you know, Tech for Good uh, meetup is is sort of like in preparation for this event coming up in November. So what is it that needs to happen to prepare for Giving Tuesday? Yeah, so HCAP prepares probably a good month in advance, thinking about what is our plan of action? How do we want to promote HCAP and our services? So we decide on what social media outlets we're going to use, our posting, and generally our game plan for Giving Tuesday. It's a day where Nonprofit agencies are asking for people to give back to the nonprofit. So we're asking for the community to donate to HCAP. And really for other agencies, there's a lot of preparation because you want to know in advance and plan for your postings on social media. Let people know Giving Tuesday is coming up so that they can hopefully plan and prepare to donate on that day. Mm-hmm. And what do you uh, – what – kinds of people, who do you want to have attend this workshop to be a part of this you know, Giving Tuesday event? 
Um, I think any nonprofits in Hawaii that are interested in preparing for Giving Tuesday that want to get involved and learn some best practices and strategies for promoting their agency on Giving Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I like that because certainly the more people are aware of Giving Tuesday as an opportunity to give to meaningful charitable causes is great, but you need those causes, those organizations, those nonprofits to be prepared to receive them or at least to put themselves out there as uh, potential recipients. I think about, you know, sometimes you have Small Business Saturday, right? It's one hand, it's on one hand, you want to go out and support small businesses, but the small businesses need to know that they need to get the word out. Mm-hmm. So what you're looking for for this Tech for Good meetup is if you're involved with a nonprofit, if, if Hawaii Public Radio wanted to say, hey, Tuesday, that Tuesday would be a good day to try and draw in some uh, sustaining members, they would come to this workshop to say, how can we part, be a part of this conversation in Hawaii? Correct. So uh, tell us again, when when uh, is this uh, prep workshop and, and how can people sort of find uh, information about it? Yep. So it is next Tuesday, the 27th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Manoa Innovation Center. And you can find it on meetup.com. Look for HNL Tech for Good. Okay, very good. We'll Absolutely. put that up on our show notes uh, later on this evening. Thank you very Thanks. much, Jehani. Thank Thanks, Jehani. And, of course, uh, next up, we want to welcome Jeff Katz. He's a filmmaker and a creator of the character Jackie Claxton. And sometimes I call him Jackie, but, you know, <laughs> I've been corrected uh, that he's not Jackie. And he's going to hear uh, – he's here to tell us about something called the uh, Claxton Fest 2016. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Uh, thanks, Bert. Um, yeah, so Jackie Claxton is actually a, f- a fictional character um, that I created uh, for an independent movie that I did. And uh, I think with this particular character, I wanted to see it's a local girl that has this power of teleportation. Mm-hmm. And, and and she goes through all these different adventures. And it's kind of like in the lore of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, you know, some of these other like pop culture movies that I, and TV series I, le- I liked uh, growing up with. So I started when after I did the independent movie, there was a stage play and then we had a fan base going, a small one. And eventually a lot of people wanted to ask about like doing different kind of Jackie Claxton stories. So I decided to give them a venue for that to have them create um, their own story with this character that I created. And we started Claxton Fest last year, um, and we had it uh, premiere at the award, uh, award Consolidated Theaters. Now, Jeff, I mean, I, ever since I heard about uh, Jackie Claxton specifically, mm-hmm. at least as a person who believes himself to be creative, I found it fascinating because, in a way, we are all Jackie Claxton in the sense that you made, you are, you have opened it up so that people can interpret this character. I mean, there are certain things that you would hope would be maintained consistency-wise, but if Bert wanted to make a short Snapchat video adventure about Jackie Claxton going on adventure, mm-hmm. he could. If 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 I wanted to, anybody could. Whereas you sometimes say you sometimes would run into intellectual property issues with, say, if you wanted to all make Superman movies or you all want to make Star Wars right. movies. So you made Jackie Claxton available to anybody. Well, it's thanks to you, um, Ryan, because then you introduced this. I mean, this has never been really been done before, and then this is kind of known as an open source type of character. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's been done before locally and stuff. And you're, you're really right. You hit it on the head there where, you know, with this character, yeah, I'm giving the opportunities and creativeness to others, you know, to, to and, and that's like flattery to me as well because um, I have a certain – vision for this particular character but other people have like you know and some of them are personal and I realize too that when they do these stories that some of them they incorporate a little bit about themselves and it doesn't necessarily have to be some 
dramatic or it can be comedic. It can be experimental. I mean, whatever this character. The character does not necessarily have to be a woman. It can be a man. It can be Jack Claxton. It can mm. be, you know, people ask, can she go into different dimensions, time travel, like Doctor Who? Yeah. And I say, yeah, all the time. And I think that's the whole thing. And the whole basis about doing this was actually to have it do, do it here locally and you know doing something original that was the whole basis are there any characteristics about this character that you want to see consistent consistently sort of described or or uh uh, uh created i guess as a result of everybody else creating a, a, a jackie claxton the her i mean the whole thing about her getting this power of teleportation was that she was i mean the backstory is that she was uh, given this power by an angel so some people have actually said, is this, you know, kind of a more of a religious thing, too? I mean, it's you, you could say that in some sense, too, because the, she she's given this power to actually help others, um, uh, you know, from like either for bad things, whether it's like drug abuse, domestic violence or something of that sort. So I've actually tackled on some, those particular issues in certain film shorts. Uh, bullying was another one that we did last year and stuff to a teen version of Jackie. Mm-hmm. So dealing with those kinds of social issues and then doing them like in a very fanciful or very creative way Mm -hmm. I think that's you know I think Buffy did a couple episodes like that too and that's what I think I'd like to like to see is um is to have more stories with Jackie and in dealing with those particular type of issues because I think the one we did on bullying last year actually did make a difference she she actually went to another dimension where she was being bullied Mm. and uh, a lot of people a lot of teens that saw that could could relate could relate to that. It wasn't directly hitting them with that issue, but what she was going to like, they could they they could understand it. Mm-hmm. So here at the film festival, you see different people interpreting this character, having different adventures. I know you can't pick favorites. You've mentioned bullying as one that that had a lot of resonance for many people. Is there anybody who really surprised you in a way that they took your character and and interpreted it in a completely unexpected way? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. One of the filmmakers, I think, kind of went uh, a little bit off skew a little bit, but I you know give him credit for it. In fact, that. That's the one film short that I had to kind of put a parental discretion advice oh, type my. of deal thing because of some of the issues. I'm like, mm, this might be a little too heavy. But, I, you know, I had to step back saying, hey, this is his interpretation and, you know, and I have to be really open-minded for it. It wouldn't be the direction I would have gone. But on the other hand, too, it, it's nice to know that the character could go there. So when you talk about teleportation, do the different uh, filmmakers that, that adopt the character, do they have a mechanism by which she teleports or is it just up to their own imagination um basically well the whole basis of her she, she actually you know she whenever she can teleport and stuff she can sense, see it in her mind and stuff and she does it through her hands mm-hmm. and you know basically and then, it, then a wormhole appears like a portal and stuff and she goes through that through the portal so as long as they keep that premise going mm-hmm. like and she's sunk on the portal and when they, she comes out of it she can be any place you know and stuff so and then so that that premise has always stayed the same plus her and her other her other friends who happen it's kind of like heroes you know basically she has other friends too that are have all these particular powers and they all get into these different adventures so it's not just Jackie that also mm-hmm. focus on some other filmmakers focus on the other characters involved in this universe I mm-hmm, created mm-hmm. now Jeff this is a film festival I imagine that it's uh, coming up in a, a few weeks so there's still probably people putting their finishing touches on their film um, well they've already finished oh, it okay, or okay. they turned turned it in so yeah 
Mm-hmm. Now, is it uh, is this interpretation of this character? You are also open, I would imagine, to people who want to do comic books, people who want to do uh, oh, other yeah. other media. Which brings up the other point too with, with Jackie Claxton. It's kind of a bigger picture. Is actually turning this into like a, a tra- it's part of transmedia storytelling, or it's, you know, hopefully tr- trying to turn into like maybe a franchise. Because I a lot of I totally I'm kind of working on that in the fact of doing comic books and it could be a TV series. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Do it locally. I just have to do it one step at a time. Yeah, you, you know, we ought to get you back on the show and talk about transmedia because uh, that's another topic that is uh, often uh, brought up in creative media circles. And, mm-hmm. and of course, I think uh, sort of Jackie Claxton would probably exist in a number of different sort of media uh, um, channels or uh, properties. But we want to so make sure that people sh- uh, show up. So where can they find uh, – where's the next uh, – um, Film festival. Film festival. Claxofest will be at the Ward Consolidated Theaters on Thursday, September 29th um, at 7 p.m. Um, and the tickets are $15, and you can get them at the door. Um, sorry, there's no pre-sale or anything like that, too. So, and, uh, yeah. and you can probably come down and meet several Jackie Claxtons in person. <laughs> probably, yeah. Jackie Claxton cosplay. I think I that think, probably uh, yeah, that's uh, like actually a... we have that too. There have been a couple of cosplayers that probably you know Ryan that have <laughs> have cos that have cosplayed as Jackie Claxton. Fantastic. Sounds good. Very good. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Thank you. And of course, finally we want to welcome Helen Cho, and she is from Startup Grind, and she's here to tell us about their inaugural launch event, which I must add is called Beer and Bacon. So how can you how, how can, can you, you resist? resist that, right? <laughs> welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about um, this startup grind. I mean, it's something that is going on on the mainland. It's uh, happening in other cities, and now Honolulu is is sort of embracing this uh, uh, this sort of new meetup event. Yes. So uh, it started a few years ago in San Francisco, and it started as a tech event for tech founders. And it has grown into the largest independent startup community. We're in 200 cities. We're in 85 countries. And uh, we just started a chapter here in in Hawaii. So it's been going on for a little while. What um, what precipitated it starting up now and not maybe six months ago or one year ago? Because it's been around for a couple of years, right? Sure. It's been around in other places, mm-hmm. but it's it hasn't been here before. Uh, we are in a place where we're, it feels like we're hitting some sort of critical mass in, in the startup community. We've got a lot of things going on, and we wanted to bring together all of the entrepreneurs and founders, but also as Startup Paradise is kind of establishing itself, we wanted to make sure we had vehicles that would reach out to the other entrepreneurs and small business owners that are not necessarily in tech. Because at the end of the day, even though we're all entrepreneurs, we're also all people going through very similar things and very similar challenges starting a business. And so Startup Grind, it's a monthly speaker series, and Mm. it's to educate and inspire other business leaders and Small business owners, entrepreneurs, innovators. So you you have recognized sort of the uh, the uh, ramping up of this community, and you saw now it's sort of the opportunity to get startup grind happening. Yes. So this Perfect. inaugural event is coming up. Uh, who are who is your first featured speaker in the speaker series? I'm so excited about them. Our first featured speakers are Brandon and Pony Askew. Oh, we've had them on the show. Yeah. Yes. In fact, before they them. launched, before they launched uh, Eat the Street. Mm-hmm. So they started Eat the Street, Makers and Tasters, Street Grinds, Honolulu Night Market. And they are entrepreneurs who have created platforms for hundreds of other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought it would be great for our first speakers to be very 
to to be leaders and champions of the local Hawaiian economy. Mm-hmm. And you, um, <clears throat> I mean, and this is an opportunity for others that mer- perhaps aren't necessarily in that sort of you know accelerator, uh, the tech community to get a chance to kind of like get the limelight because yeah, Pony and Brandon, I mean, they've been they've been very much very Working very hard, very hard, very involved with the community, but. You don't necessarily think of them as part of the tech community per se, but we've had them on the show here, uh, and and it's great that uh, there's other outlets that uh, I think uh, have them featured. Sure, uh, it's st- although it started as a tech event in mm-hmm. San Francisco, Startup Grind as a brand, they allow each chapter to tailor its city and its mm-hmm. its tailor its events for the local community and what its local community needs. And I'd say the local community likes food, and there's a food <laughs> component because it is, of course, Street Grinds with a Z. So the event is going to incorporate what? So what's with this this title, Beer and Bacon? So Makers and Tasters, this that day, Thursday the 29th, is actually Bacon Day. Oh, it's, oh It would have like been Bacon Day bacon anyway. Day. I, see, mm-hmm. I see. So we said, <laughs> if we're going to do it at Makers and Tasters, I want it to be on a day when, you know, it's going to have great food. I'm sure there's great food every day, but bacon is pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> and we've also got uh, Kona Breweries there sponsoring us. So we've got beer, we have bacon, and we're going to be talking about business. So tell me, what is your vision perhaps for the next six months, one year? Do you, so you're going to start with Pony and Brandon? I mean, who are some of the other uh, potential names that you have in mind? So in the future, we haven't locked them down yet. Okay. Well, but we've preview. got – Categories are <laughs> yeah. yeah. Categories. Uh, we're looking at successful business owners here in Hawaii. We're looking at uh, investors. We're looking at uh, other innovators. We're looking at p- anyone that business owners and entrepreneurs could be inspired or educated. Mm-hmm. And uh, what other venues might you be considering? We're looking at other venues that uh, I think the next one might be at real office centers in Chinatown, mm, okay. the co-working yeah, yeah, yeah. space. Where It d- really depends on how big the event gets and how what the event's going to be about that particular event. And we try to go to venues where um, it aligns with the speaker. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, can you talk a little bit more about the, the Google connection to, sure. to Startup Grind? So Startup Grind as a global brand is supported uh, and sponsored by Google for Entrepreneurs. That's uh, their undergrad mm-hmm. written by them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and when you say sponsored, I mean, how, how, are, how is Google's sponsorship contributing to, let's say, Startup Grind here in Hawaii? Uh, is it uh, just maybe web services or are they giving you some swag or what's the <laughs> swag is good? <laughs> yeah. Actually, they support the headquarters uh, in its operations. As a global community, it's really hard to stay in touch. So they provide services in terms of you know uh, all, all of our email addresses and all the communication aspects for that. Um, locally, though, we have to find all of our sponsors. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine, though, that if I wanted to learn what Google could do for an entrepreneur, I would come to this event as well. Sure, yes. <laughs> so uh, once more, where is the inaugural, the first uh, street grind event happening, and how can someone find out more. The very first event is going to be on Thursday, 29th. It's the same day as the Claxton Fest. Ah, so However, come and fill up. You can go to whoever's go to not beer. going to there, I expect at Makers and Tasters, <laughs> doors open at 5.30. Uh, tickets will be online. Uh, I guess they'll put it on the website. Yeah, I'll put it up on the website. And uh, we've only have 50. Only got 50? 50 tickets. Whoa, however, okay. however, uh, sorry. How, however, um, after the speaker series, we're going to open it up to a party. So at around 7 o'clock, it's open to everybody. We're going to have happy hour prices all night. 
Sounds, Sounds like good. fun. Sounds good. So I'll put that up on the show notes. People can uh, join in and, and uh, register, get your uh, ticket, and attend the uh, next uh, uh, startup grind. I'm Thank you, home. Helen. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Helen. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Robbie Melton and Mele James, and we'll talk about the challenges facing tech startups in Hawaii. What are the pros and cons about staying in Hawaii? And if a company does leave for Silicon Valley, how can it still benefit the islands? Of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts or questions. As part of that conversation, you can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And of course, we're live here in the studio. You can reach us on Twitter at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. I only have two stations and I listen to the HPR 1 and HPR 2 and anytime I'm in my car I'm listening to one of the two of them because I can count on either getting news I can use or music that I can listen to if I'm talking to somebody. Hi my name is Garrett Osborne I'm a sustaining member and I will continue to do so as long as I'm standing. This week on Invisibilia, Lulu Miller travels to a town in Belgium called Hale. At the village of Hale in Belgium, it was well known that the insane have been placed under the management of the villagers. A place where, for centuries, everyday people have welcomed strangers with mental illness into their homes. Like a beloved aunt or uncle. That's on the next episode of Invisibilia from NPR. This evening at 7, right after Counterspin. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Whole Foods Market Hawaii, Ulupono Initiative, and Hawaii Pacific University. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are Robbie Melton and Melly James. Of course, Robbie Melton is the executive director and CEO of the High Tech Development Corporation, and she leads the organization's three divisions, Technology-Based Economic Development, Innovate Hawaii Manufacturing Extension Program, and Hawaii Center for Advanced Tele- Teleportation. <laughs> Transportation <laughs> Technologies. Yes, and Melly, you probably know, is head of new ventures at Sultan Ventures, a boutique boutique venture firm focused on early-stage startups and investments. She's also the program director and entrepreneur-in-residence at Accelerate UH, which is a proof-of-concept center and venture accelerator founded via a partnership between the University of Hawaii and Sultan Ventures. And, of course, what are the challenges facing these uh, growing t- the growing tech sector in Hawaii? We'd love to hear your questions and comments. And, of course, you can contact us by calling 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Mele and Robbie, we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Bert. Thanks, Brian. Now, you know, we have had you both on, I think, a couple times before. Uh, and we've talked about everything from, you know, HTDC and Accelerate UH and the Accelerator programs. I mean, even back, uh, Mele, when you were with um, uh, Blue Startups. But now we yep. want to talk about, because I think what's happening is that we're actually graduating a lot of these companies from the programs that you all have been a part of. And we're, uh, I think, what, Accelerate UH is on their number eight or something? Wholehearted, number five. Number five. And I, know, I think Blue Startups is on their number eight. And and you're, you're, so you're seeing a lot of these companies uh 
uh, graduate and have to wrestle with, uh, you know, what is um, their next step. So I thought we'd have a conversation about, you know, where where uh, all of that is going. So um, let's start with you, Robbie. Um, you at the HDDC have to keep an eye on the entire ecosystem, certainly, as well as the early stage, the secondary phase, the manufacturing phase, um, where, whether you're talking about grant funding, where you're talking about investor funding. Um, in your time here and, in fact, in your time previously in Maryland, right. um, how would you evaluate our progress so far in terms of the early stages of getting companies on their feet? I think it's very good. It's really exciting to see what's happening in Hawaii with, you know, the four accelerator programs that we have and our incubator program, you see a lot of companies growing, starting, maturing. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, where do these companies go? This year we had three graduates. Two of them are here. They moved on to bigger spaces because what happens, they get new customers, they grow their business. And then we had one company that did have to move outside of Hawaii. So um, there is that case, too, but a lot of the companies stay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we also have uh, Luke Tucker, who is uh, on the phone, and uh, he will join us. Uh, hey, Luke, uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can. Hey. So thank you for thank joining us. Thank you for joining our conversation. We'll have some questions for you as well. And, of course, uh, Mele, I mean, you've seen the kind of growth uh, trend and patterns uh, with uh, Blue Startups and now with uh, Sultan Ventures and Accelerate UH. Uh, and as the companies graduate out of the, the you know, these accelerator programs, uh, how, how closely do you kind of keep in touch with them and, and, you know, let's say what their future holds for them? We absolutely keep in touch. It's definitely not when you graduate, you know, we kick you out of the nest <laughs> and we don't want to hear from you. Uh, we have equity in the companies. When when they succeed, we succeed. So we keep a very um, close relationship with them. Some actually access us more than others. They take advantage of the, our resources more so. But as they're continuing to pitch mainland investors, local investors, uh, we are helping them pitch prep. We're helping them with some diligence. We're definitely giving them opportunities. There was actually just an opportunity in Abu Dhabi and that we were giving oh. our, our startups an opportunity to apply. So anytime we have, you know, even the village capital thing that we're doing, the Vilcap inaugural cities, that's something that we're bringing to Hawaii and, of course, inviting our portfolio companies as well as the companies all here in Hawaii to participate with. Absolutely. Now, Luke, we, we were able to uh, invite you on the show because you had recently written a great blog post. You've been doing some fantastic podcasts about startups and interviewing a lot of really interesting people, many local of, uh, local people. Um, for those who aren't aware, Luke is a, a venture associate at Sultan Ventures, and you were writing about that question, that pivot point that we wanted to address on this show, which is, what do you do next? And I liked how you summarized it in your write-up. You said, basically, your advice is to get started, stay, but to scale, go to a hub like uh, San Francisco, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, From your perspective and working with uh, Sultan Ventures, um, how do you perceive this pipeline evolving or, you know, is it growing? Is it getting stronger here in Hawaii? Yeah, I think the short answer is absolutely. You know, the the fundamentals in this ecosystem are very strong and if you listen to the last actual conversation we had with Jared from Billcap, who Melly mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, we're fortunate to be a part of the village, one of the village capital communities. Uh, you know, he's seen, I think he's been to 35 cities this year, Tarek, as well as traveled around 15 different 20s. 
uh, cities around. And you know, I think the, the signs are very positive. Um, you know, you have all the kind of ingredients that you would look for to be able to uh, get that company off the ground. And again, the, the general advice for a lot of different companies, it's going to depend on their particular situation. But to start, it's actually, I think, more advantageous to stay where you're at in the community, especially one like Honolulu that has uh, groups like HCDC, Accelerate UH, Blue Startups, and others that are really interested in investing real dollars to help like, from an investment standpoint as well as just the, the resources they need. And it'll be way cheaper to start. Technology, guys, today is so much easier to ramp up you know, any kind of technology. You have AWS and all these different things. So that's the way to go in my view. And we're seeing a lot of companies do just that. No, and that's a good point because, uh, Robbie, I mean, you know, you have the Accelerate UHs, you have the Blue Startups, and, and they really are kind of focusing on the Accelerated or the companies that have a, a very a scalable model. Uh, and, and But there's a lot of other companies out there, and I think HTDC has a kind of a responsibility to look at, you know, the, the rest of the field. And what I'm, you know, what I'm hearing uh, Luke say is basically – there's infrastructure here that really helps support those tech startups, uh, which makes it a little bit easier for them to kind of get off the ground here in Hawaii. Yeah, so it's interesting because we're sort of the after the accelerator program because once they go through that, they still need a location to hang out and do their business. So our incubator in Manoa or on Maui are two perfect places for companies to do that because we offer low low-cost rents mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. really help them out. And you're right. Hawaii has a number of different um, programs to really help these and nurture these companies along the way. And I think Luke's right. We want to encourage our companies to stay here as much as we can. Of course, you can't force them to stay because there are times when your investor is not in Hawaii and they may need to leave. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the great thing about today is you can do technology anywhere. So you don't have to be in Silicon Valley. You don't have to be, you know, in New York or wherever. You can actually still do your company here. It's just a matter of where is that point where you may need to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Now, something that you hear from a lot of communities is, you know, uh, an attempt or an aspiration to be the next Silicon Valley. We want to keep them here, have everything that can possibly support a company here. But I think more and more people are understanding that that's unrealistic, that there's strengths in any given area that they do better than other places. And then sometimes if all the investment you want is in San Francisco, then that's where you go to get investment. If all the tech talent you want is in Asia, then you will tap that talent to get your you get your business off the ground. Um, Melly, what's your thoughts? Yeah, um, that's a that's a great point, Ryan. And that's something that we definitely focus on. You look at major tech hubs across the country, all of them are affiliated with a heavy R&D university. We happen to have one here in Hawaii. And looking at that and looking at some of the companies um, that, that, we're, that, we're, that we're investing in, especially looking at regional strengths. And you look at the regional strengths of Hawaii, you know, typically you see you know, astronomy, marine sciences, clean tech, and ag. And then also layering on top of that, the hot industries right now, which are ag and clean tech. So we're seeing a lot of companies that are coming out of the gates in Hawaii and, be, and Hawaii can be one of those great places where they should stay because this is the best place for them to succeed. You look at Energy Accelerator. We've got mainland companies having a footprint here in Hawaii. They're coming back here to Hawaii. Heavy hitter companies looking at look at STEM, 
Um, look at Terviva. Look at Ambry. They're coming here and having a footprint because this is the best place for them to succeed. So looking at some of the Accelerate UH companies, in terms of clean tech, we've got Adnoviv and Ag. We've got Diagenetics and June Innovations. But I see that as being a layering on top of all of this, seeing Hawaii and looking at regional strengths, like you're saying, Ryan. You know, if we're looking at, you know, health healthcare, should we go to Baltimore? Should we go to other Philly or what's big in healthcare? Um, Boston, Boston. Boston. Yeah, so we're looking at ag. That's the Midwest. Those are all regional strengths. And those are areas where, you know, maybe it would make sense for some of our companies in these areas to go there at some point. But we have to start looking at our regional strengths as well. And I think we're doing a great job here. Well, you know, the thing is, um, there are some unique things that Hawaii uh, offers any entrepreneur startup. But to the point of them having to grow the market and look at other opportunities, I think that's where that sort of inflection point needs to be considered. They can start up here. They can grow their sort of R&D here. They can maybe uh, grow some of the uh, executive offices here. But ultimately, you know, they, they have to kind of go where the, the, the customers are. Right? Yeah. I mean, we need to look at it from a long-term perspective, right? You look at where we were three or four years ago when I first moved back mm-hmm. and when Blue Startups was just starting. You know, there were barely any events. I mean, we were racking our brains on every Wednesday who we were going to feature to do the events. <laughs> and now you had like four people in here and they're triple booked on the 29th. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. I love the fact that I have no idea of everything going on here anymore. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's, that, that is a good thing. The thing that I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on are, you know, when, when having to um, uh, make some of those uh, tough decisions and, and, and Robbie, I mean, you know, you love to see the companies stick around, but you know, there is the reality of them needing to, you know, grow their market. So wouldn't that uh wouldn't you feel, let's say, okay to maybe nudge them to go into a bigger market? Oh, we you you can be in a bigger market and not leave Hawaii. It's not about customers. There's other things a lot of times most of the companies leave because of funding. Then, you know, investors want to be close to your company and they mm-hmm. don't want to fly Mm-hmm. five hours to get here. But a lot of it, you know, we now have a manufacturing grant that helps support new manufacturers. We have a company in our incubator that does a water water filtration system. And so he's based here, but he bought a company in California, and that's how he expanded his market. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. different creative ways to expand and your customer base. So there's many different ways. But you know, that is a challenge is being here in Hawaii to get to those customers. But I think there's so many new programs coming on board that that might not be an issue. Well, uh, Luke, from your point of view, I mean, one of the things that we were told from the very dawn of the inter- information age is someday it doesn't matter where you are, especially if we're talking about digital goods, if you're doing an app or a service or a website or, or something like that. Um they would say that, you know, you can do that work from anywhere, so why wouldn't you want to do that work in Hawaii? Are you seeing any loosening of that, uh, of sort of this strong regionalism in terms of how startups grow and uh, and scale? Sure. Well, I think the regionalism, goes to, to Robbie's point, usually is going to be drawn by the investors. Uh, they're, they're the ones that are writing the checks and you know, own a significant stake in the company, so they're going to kind of, you know, impose their will a lot of times to have the entrepreneurs close. Uh, and that's usually more the case in earlier rounds. Like we have, 
you know, a very active angel investment community here, but there's also, uh, you know, companies I know that have been able to raise, you know, we talk about crowdfunding, um, that, that that's definitely potential. But I, I think the, the main thing I, w- I would focus on in terms of building in a, in a non-tech hub that would be the traditional top three or four in the country right now, New York, Seattle, Boston, uh, 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 Silicon Valley, and Denver, uh, probably being the few I would mention, like it's, it's acquisition and retention of talent. I think is probably the biggest one. So the way in which a company, uh, you know, we're, we're very familiar with in Hobnob, they have engineers, their core engineering team is built here, but they also have team members from Tahiti to Seattle to all over the, all over the world, really. So and that makes it really, uh, I think they're the model. If, if you're looking at being able to raise millions of dollars and build a, an amazing product from here, that's what I would look to replicate. So, so Luke, I mean, um, you know, everybody here has been talking about sort of the footprint and having a footprint here in Hawaii and then having uh, something that uh, is maybe a branch or, a, you know, a, a company, part of your company be on the mainland. How realistic is that? I mean, is that something that you could easily do? And, you know, I mean, from a management standpoint, you, you have to man now you have to manage two totally separate places. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's, um, it's hard to have like a footprint here and a footprint in, let's say, Silicon Valley. I mean, is there is there a management challenge with that? Um, well, I think with anything, you know, just like opening a regional sales office, there there is going to be you know a certain you know arm's length uh, management. If you hire great people that are uh, you know you kind of are autonomous or they're entrepreneurial and they take ownership, then no, I don't really think it's that much of an issue. Uh, I, I think there are challenges, and I would definitely say it depends on the kind of business. You had mentioned before building a digital product or a digital good. You know, predominantly, you're not going to maybe have boots on the ground Salesforce in other places. Uh, your your customer success team or your uh, support can actually be in you know different locales based on the economics. Like you know, we have uh, Steve Markowitz who's got a lot of his company Beastripe is based in the Philippines, right? And he's got he's really kind of just developed a niche where he know, understands that that talent uh, area very well, and he's able to maximize that. So. I think, again, it depends. There's no, like, easy, straight answer. I think a lot of this would be interesting to see some of the people that have tried it and failed or tried it and been successful. Um, that, you know, guys like Hank Wu, they're building amazing <laughs> things out in Kabbalah. Like, that's, mm. uh, you know, hope to scientific, you know, doing a an homage to yesteryear, right? You know, Dustin Shindo had a lot of te- talent and team members here. Mm-hmm. Mele, I mean, you got something. Uh... Yeah, no, I, I would agree with Luke. I mean, looking at the example of Area Metrics, where you know they they received funding and actually it wasn't about their investors asking them to move; it was the fact, the sheer fact of their sales. They were targeting large malls in America, and for them to do a hop, skip, and a jump over to all these cities that they were selling to, which they had multiple meetings, they couldn't do that here in Hawaii as well. But that does lead to the point where when you get to that certain. Uh, largeness and size in the company, you can start to separate. Maybe the main hub of founders are here in Honolulu, mm. but their sales teams over there. But I think it's important to keep, you know, this is a long-term perspective. I think there's kind of three steps here. The first step is to create an enriching place where startups can get started. The second is, you know, trying to keep them here. And then the third is actually having them, you know, stay here or, or coming back. 
you know, and I think we're doing a really great job with step one right now. You look three or four years ago, what were, how were people getting funding? There was literally just the Hawaii Angels. We were kind of on an economic downturn and 221 was heavily slowing down. Right. You look now, three or four years later, we've got six accelerators. We've got seed funds. We've, you know, we've got a whole bunch of different opportunities. And basically what we're trying to do is create, you know, you want to create a place where people can have as long a runway as they, as possible, mm-hmm. creating more jobs. But, you know, it's their best chance of success in a region until it no longer is that best chance anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're extending that runway every year. Well, you know, uh, you brought up uh, area metrics and, and uh, we've been sort of following some of the companies that have actually transported their entire company to the mainland. I, I'm wondering, could you share perhaps what made their decision to uh, move the whole company versus, you know, have some of their folks still here and then, you know, put uh, some of the maybe sales organization in the Seattle area because, you know, they're going after the malls there. I mean, what was it that went through their minds to determine whether they go lock, stock, and barrel, boom, all the way up to Seattle or have a piece here and have a piece on the mainland? So the core team are three individuals, mm-hmm. right? And obviously two of them are married. Mm-hmm. I'm saying way too much information here. No. <laughs> um, and, and so for them, it made sense to stay together. And they are still handling a lot of their big, big sales, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a this is a new it's area a small for them. Company. It's a small right, company, right, okay, and okay. some other, you know, you know how it is. After your first few sales, it's so much easier after you nail those first three right, sales. Right. You go to the next mall over, like, hey, yeah. those guys bought in. And for them, especially with Westfield Mall and you know a lot of those other heavy, heavy sales that needed to get closed, it made sense for them to be there together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I I love this conversation, and um, I know that one of the things that we hear is well, so. So if we're supporting these companies and they leave us, isn't this just a different kind of brain drain? I'm sure Robbie hears it at the state capitol sometimes. But we need to hold that thought and take a quick break uh, where we'll continue our conversation here about startups and their opportunities after that first stage. And, of course, we'd love to hear from you. And the way you can reach us is by calling 941-3689 from Oahu or from the neighbor islands, 1-877-941-3689. This is Mike Marks Cafe. Hi, this is Ray Cruz inviting you to join me tonight from 8 to 10 for Latin Beat. I'll be playing classic Afro-Cuban Latin jazz, Latin big band classics, and share the latest releases in Latin jazz. That's Latin Beat tonight from 8 to 10 here on HBR2, member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. See you tonight. In order to get aloha, you've got to give aloha. And Foodland's Give Aloha program is back to help you give back to your favorite organization in our community. And classical Baroque guitarist Hideki Yamaya brings some musical treasures from Spain and the New World to the studio. That's tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. 
Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Robbie Melton, Melly James, and Luke Tucker about growing the tech sector in Hawaii. And of course, you can give us a call. Number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And of course, right before the break, we were talking about the brain drain and the idea that perhaps with all the interests and the, let's say, initiatives around accelerating companies from idea to startup, we're actually just accelerating this this process by which we export all our talent. Robbie, I mean, is that is that what we're doing? Are we kind of like exporting all this expertise? We nurture them here and boom, we send them off to the mainland. No, I think that's that's a false assumption. And I wouldn't call that part a brain drain. It's more of a company drain because you're not exporting all the talent, the companies may be leaving, and they're few. So like we had three graduates this year from our incubator. Only one company went to the mainland. The other two stayed here. So it's not like there's a flood of people leaving. But you also have to realize every state faces this issue. So like because we have state funding, we have grant programs to all our tech companies, that there's this case of, well, we're giving these companies state money, and then they're leaving. But you have to realize we want our companies to succeed, so we're not really losing our money. We're making an investment in these companies. And many of these companies come back. Look at Verifone. Verifone had close to 75 employees here before they moved to the mainland. But then their founders came back and started other companies. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see. People, you know, especially if Hawaii is your home, you're always going to come back. Mm -hmm. And so other people that I know that left to go and they're working in California with their company, they're looking at ways to come back. So it's not necessarily a brain drain. And I wouldn't look at it as a bad thing because we want our companies because then we can say, hey, look, these are the companies that started in Hawaii. Look where they got to, and it was because they were in Hawaii. And they were nurtured, and they, they had the support yes. that they did. Now, Amanda, you got some strong feelings about this as well. Right? I mean, you don't. You <laughs> the probably, face she made. Yeah, when right. I, said I mean, brain when we, we talk about brain dream and exporting all our talent to the mainland, I mean, you, you really almost wanted to kill us. But <laughs> I did. I still do. No, um, I I totally disagree with that. And I I one think of it as it's almost like saying, well, people are leaving anyway. Why bother? Mm-hmm. And you look at the changing of of entrepreneurship, corporate entrepreneurship, looking at leaders of of tomorrow, looking at the way curriculum is changing. All of it has heavy layers of innovation and entrepreneurship. So going along with a lot of that type of curriculum change and and the way you you change leadership in corporations, you need some of those people here as examples, Mm -hmm. right? And then in addition to that, looking at the resources and the mentors, all of these things that have started to come together in the last few years as the accelerators and you know HTDC and their hubs have started cultivating is this beautiful community of people that are really making major change in Hawaii. So, you know, I think all of these things are incredibly important, especially as things are changing in the future and, and we have to keep up. So, you know, looking at Especially, actually, this perfect example again of Hobnob. I'll bring this up. Okay. Hobnob, Tiff and Mark Quezada were in cohort one of Blue Startups in 2013 with a company called Minded. It failed. It totally is done now, right? That was their first endeavor. And for a lot of these successful entrepreneurs, it's not your first endeavor. It's your second. And you look at Hobnob, this is their second endeavor, and it's it's on its way to be very successful. So you have to look at, you know, 
why why do these things if it's going to fail or if people are going to leave? But it ha- you have to create this sense of community. And it's also the sense of collision where you look at these events happening here. There are people there, smart people with experience. That then cultivates these, this next generation of leaders and next generation of innovators who are going to make that first jump in that in that first endeavor, which may fail, but it's got to start somewhere. And I, I definitely kind of resonate with sort of you're creating a community that fosters this kind of thinking and this kind of energy. I admit, you know, I, my, my daughter, I would bring her to uh, startup events. You know, she might not even be thinking about being an entrepreneur or starting a business, but I felt that that energy was just good to have in her head as she goes off into the world. And what what I hear from what you're saying is you kind of, if that can permeate a community, that that energy level, wherever they go, they bring it with them, they support each other, and they can bring it back, as Robbie said. Luke, did you have a thought? I mean, your your piece was great. You said, okay, here's a company that left because they found investment. Here's a company that stayed. They're doing well. It's not a, It doesn't have to be a binary thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really important point, Ryan. You know, it's, you know there, there's this kind of like phrase, you know, the brain drain that, that elicits all these emotions, and I think it's just packed with so many different avenues and, you know, a lot of already mentioned the discussion, so I won't belabor that point. I'll just kind of mention a couple observations, I guess. Like, you know, one thing is there's a revolving door always in Hawaii, just in terms of people, and it's somewhat transient in nature. So it's tough to necessarily justify, uh, you know, this brain drain with people leaving. Obviously, you would have to look at the reasons or whatnot. It's case-specific. But, you know, there's, I would say, a net positive when you're looking at some of the talent. Kamaaina come home as well as, you know, just an influx of, you know, young professionals that, that I meet on a regular basis, whether it's a military community that are interested in getting involved somehow, a spouse or whatnot. And, you know, you have someone like Joel uh, Gascon, the CEO and founder, co-founder of Buffer, yeah. you know, that, that loves it here and commits some of his time here and has done different events and things like that. So uh, as well as like the podcast, you know, the Startup Catalyst podcast we started, a lot of it was to, with, with this very thing in mind because we are exporting knowledge. We're exporting you know, utilizing the talent that, that's here, talking about their experiences that, hey, other people in different areas can learn because there's translatable experiences. So uh, that, that's one other aspect I would mention. I would say, though, I wouldn't give ourselves a free pass that we can't do better. You know, you hear all these different statistics that, like, oh, Hawaii is X number of states in terms of business. It's expensive. Like, there's, I mentioned in my blog post how expensive it is in San Francisco, too. Honolulu, not too far behind in terms of that, like, you know, livability index when you look at the average price of home. So those are things that's paradise. It's a highly desirable place to live. They're always going to be there. And, um, you know, I think the, the bonus aspect I would mention would be that the, the way we work is changing, right? I mean, I you talk about brain drain. I work remotely for a company based in San Francisco right now. There's other company, people I know that work and produce amazing software, and they work with the company that runs Atlantic Media. So mm. they're based in Clemente, Hawaii. Like, Right. I think that's just the fact that people are leaving and just going which way uh, is, I think, you know, isolated experiences that you can look at, argue whether it's a net negative or net positive. Yeah, and I, th- I think you can't can't generalize. I know that there are Google engineers and Yahoo engineers that work here because they love it here. They have that connection. Brian Lamb running the wire cutter now. He loves Hawaii, even though he started in San Francisco. He runs, mm-hmm. he does that work from here as well. But I agree also that you can't get a free pass that just say, hey, we're launching all of these companies. What else do you want? And Robbie, I think you have a perspective specifically on ways that we can uh, make sure that there's support that they need if they stay is here for them. Yeah, so one of the things we've been looking at is looking at the continuum of, you know, starting from, you know, 
your idea all the way to getting into the market. The accelerators cover a lot of that with funding, but they're still missing PUKAs, you know. So looking at those PUKAs and how do we fill them? And so looking at what some state funding can provide for that to help move that along, because it takes a lot to get a company started. Some of those that aren't so engineering or research intensive may not have that need, but we have a lot of really good, strong companies that are doing R&D and making really good products. And those are the companies that we want to see succeed here in Hawaii. You know, Melly, you brought up a, a, an excellent point, and I don't think it's really uh, appreciated, is that this, uh, this sort of web of connectivity amongst the people that exist here uh, is, is really growing and, and getting stronger. And I think, you know, you brought up the example of, of Hobnob. And I, I want to mention that, you know, uh, programmers like uh, George Lee and, and Jason Axelson, they're, they're both, you know, there. And they play a really important role in, in helping nurture some of the other younger programmers that are here in Hawaii. So when, you know, oftentimes, you know, there's a criticism of brain drain and all the, you know, all the talent is leaving. The people that are here are actually developing stronger networking ties with, you know, the community and the younger generation coming into this. And that's, an, that's a very important fabric that I think goes sometimes unappreciated. Yeah, I agree. You know, looking at these clear examples of what an entrepreneur looks like feels like, you know, you can touch one, especially when we're coming into the classrooms. You know, I, I do a lot of speaking engagements at a lot of high schools, Campbell High School. And these students, it's like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, they can meet all these other career paths. But what does an entrepreneur actually look like? And you also look at programs like Junior Achievement, Center for Tomorrow's Leaders. All of these things are starting to cultivate inside of these programs. And these students, especially the Kama'aina, the ones that have grown up here, you know, meeting these people who are doing it here in Hawaii and knowing that when they go to college or whether they stay here or go away, that there's something for them back home. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that's something I definitely didn't have when I grew up. And, you know, part of this community that we we're talking about here is one of the reasons I'm still here and that I love being here after being gone for almost 15 years. Mm. I came back from Silicon Valley after 11 years, and I wouldn't still be here right now if it wasn't for this community. And, of course, working with the great team I have at Souls Ventures. We're glad to have Very you. good. Um, we want to welcome uh, Ryan from Honolulu to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. I'm really enjoying uh, this conversation here. Uh, this is Ryan Louie. Um, I just had a question for the panel. Um, what would you tell mainland startups and uh, companies in the, on the mainland in terms of uh, a type of culture of Hawaii? Is there some kind of aloha spirit that they can implement? So almost like a reverse exporting. No, that's a great. That's a great question because I think there is something different about what our environment, what our let's say community is like here in Hawaii versus uh, what it might be in in let's say Seattle or Silicon Valley or Austin or or New York. Uh, Rob, you want to say anything about the culture of of Hawaii? Yeah, I think it's very exciting here. The culture I think is different is that we're much more smaller scale mm -hmm. because we're a smaller state, so you're not going to have the same vibe. San Francisco or Seattle, but we have a spirit more of aloha. So you see people coming together and sharing more than, you know, a lot of times when you've started a company, they're very insular because they don't want anybody to know because they're going to steal. But you see people here coming together and really working together and supporting each other. So it's a much more 
camaraderie mm-hmm. here. Camaraderie. Uh-huh. camaraderie yes. Ellie, your thought, especially as you travel outside of Hawaii to share what's happening here. Um, what lessons do you think or what you know benefits do you think we offer just by being Hawaii? Yeah, well, being in Silicon Valley for so long, you know, it, it's, it was almost like being in L.A. and being I'm also an actress. You know, I may be a waiter, waiter but I'm also an actress in L.A. It was like literally in San Francisco. Is, I do this, but I'm also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So being in Hawaii and, and seeing that the the ecosystem here is so new and, and a little immature still people are still really excited so when someone tells you their idea we actually want to help or connect you you go to an event you may not know a single person in the room it's not this insider thing where you got all these clicks and nobody wants to talk to you people are excited to talk to you and actually we love the shiny new penny the person that nobody knows we want to get to know you so that's one of the those are some of the biggest things I've, I've seen shiny well, I, new penny you know oh. I like that it reminds me of that uh, Silicon Valley TV show where the even the dentist wanted to pitch their app right in, <laughs> in a certain community you just roll your eyes like oh of course you have an app but here you, you meet a, a, a seven year old with an app and you're like Tell me all about it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in terms of, um, I guess, going forward, I mean, how are we how are we nurturing our community to accept all the possibilities that could exist for their path to success? Robbie? How are we nurturing? I think we're doing a lot of really good things already. So we've got a lot of events. As we said, next Thursday, mm-hmm. there are like four things happening <laughs> all at the same time. And that nurtures it because it brings the buzz. It brings the excitement. We have to embrace entrepreneurs. You know, like some some cities are just sort of pat them on the head and don't pay much attention. But here we want to make sure that they feel welcomed and that they're important to our economy and important to the state. And so that's our drive is to really show how these entrepreneurs really impact our economy and are really making a difference in Hawaii. And, and Bella, you got some things that are coming up too that actually contribute to this sort of growing excitement around entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Well, the first thing is we have Accelerate UH Cohort 5. We're accepting applications. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole new accelerator, com- a whole new cohort coming up, which you can go to at accelerateuh.com. But the other event we have coming up October 5th and 6th is the Future Focus Conference. And that is focused around uh, cybersecurity and health tech. It's really exciting, actually, specifically for this conference because this is the University of Hawaii and the Hawaii Business Roundtable. So this is these are the largest corporations in Hawaii really getting behind innovation. And they, they've started this annual conference last year. And this year, of course, is the second one focused on two areas which we think are going to be really hot in Hawaii and are bringing in federal uh, people as well as venture capitalists um, to really talk about what's going on here. And I highly recommend people coming. Absolutely. Great. October 5th and 6th, we'll put the link in our show notes. Luke, where can people go to find out about your blog that I enjoyed so much? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Thanks, Ryan. They can check it out at lukepecker.com. Fantastic. Robbie, people want to find out about your programs? We're at htdc.org, and our next Wetware Wednesday is next Wednesday at Medici's, and we are featuring Aloha Nap and the finalists from the state hack. Ah, that's Very right. Very good. Well, Robbie Melton is the CEO of uh, and executive director of HTDC. And, of course, Melly James handles new ventures over at Sultan Ventures and is an entrepreneur in residence for Accelerate UH. And we want to also thank uh, Luke for joining us. We love hearing your, hearing your stories and reading your blog. We thank want to you. thank you all for joining us today. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ryan. 
And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk to some of those winning teams from the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. And of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. And of course, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovic. And of course, we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's a band from Seattle called Hotel and a song called Green Apple. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. In my head, Means to be